Well, good morning. My name is Stuart Emenheiser, and I serve as one of the elders here at Southridge, and I appreciate you joining us for week three of You've Got Style. Now, I don't know about you, when I hear the word style, I think about some of the worst fashion trends that I've ever seen in my life. Um, and there's been a lot, and probably a few come to mind for you. And I want to talk about one in particular, but we have to go all the way back to 1992. And what's scary is that is almost 30 years ago. Now, to provide some context, I want to just let you know what was happening. So that year, 1992, Disney released their hit movie, Aladdin. Now, it was originally set in Baghdad, but because of the Gulf War, they quickly scrambled, literally and figuratively, the letters and came up with the fictional city of Agrabah. 1992 was also the year of the men's Olympic basketball team, nicknamed the Dream Team. They steamrolled everybody in their way and went all the way to win the gold medal and arguably the greatest team ever assembled in sports. Now, there was also a young musical duo that was destined for greatness, that was on their way to becoming a generational talent. The name of this duo, Crisscross, made famous by their hit single, Jump. Now, if you remember Crisscross, they had a fashion style. Do you remember what it was? They wore their clothes backwards. They wore their clothes backwards. Now, this trend was sweeping the nation. I thought it was fantastic. Turns out it was purely idiotic. But I remember specifically one night, I was 11 years old, and I was leaving to go to Boys Brigade, which was essentially a Christian Boy Scouts where I was growing up. Somehow my mom let me out of the house with my clothes on backwards. My buddy and his mom picked this up. And I remember very quickly at this event, the comments, the looks, joking, the ridicule, and I had realized my mistake. So I slipped out, went to the bathroom, turned my clothes around, and never looked back. At 11 years old, I couldn't even be trusted to wear my clothes correctly, let alone make life-altering, long-term decisions for myself. Now, maybe that's a message for another time. But the point of this is that there's lots of styles from a fashion perspective, but what we're talking about today is styles and how we can connect with God. There's really no wrong style, and that's one of the, the, the blessings and the beauty of worshiping God is he allows us different ways and different styles of connecting with him. So the future measurement of spiritual growth is no longer church attendance, but engagement. And if you've noticed a theme we've talked about this year, it's been very God-focused, Christ-centered, and Spirit-empowering. For some of us, it's being reintroduced to God. For others of us, it's being reminded of who we are in God. And even for others, you're being introduced to God, not a version of him, but actually the real him. And the question that we want to continue with in this series is, how do we best connect with God? And the series is based on 1 Timothy 2.5. There is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man, Jesus Christ. And James 4.8, come close to God and God will come close to you. So we've been looking at nine spiritual styles that help us to know how God has wired us to come close to him. 
We talked about the book Sacred Pathways by Gary Thomas, which is what a lot of the series is based off of. And in the book, Gary Thomas spent time researching the early church and the scriptures, and he pulled out nine pathways or wirings that each of us have to help us best connect with God. Some of us are traditionalists, and we connect with God through ritual. Some of us are naturalists, and we connect with God through nature. Some of us are intellectuals, and we connect with God through our mind. Some of us are contemplatives, and we connect with God by writing things down and just spending time adoring Him. Some of us are ascetics. We need solitude and space to connect with God. Others of us are activists, and we have to be doing things for the kingdom of God. Others of us are caregivers, and we love showing up, caring for, and loving people the way Jesus did. Others of us are enthusiasts, and worship is what gets us going. It's celebration that helps us best connect with God. Others of us are sensates, not to be confused with senseis for all you Cobra Kai fans. And it's our senses that help us connect with God. And our hope is that you'll discover your style. So while it's true that we all have a unique style or wiring by which we connect with God, it's also true that God has given us staples or ways to best connect with Him. There are styles and there are staples. So our goal over the next two weeks will be to continue answering the question, how do we apply our styles to these staples so that we can maximize our connection with our Heavenly Father? Last week we looked at prayer. This week we'll see the second staple or way God provides us to connect with Him, which is interacting with the Bible. Now, I don't know what your personal habits are about reading Scripture, but let me tell you what we assume as leaders of the church. We work off the 90-10 rule, which says 10% of us, or 10% of believers, are regularly and productively reading their Bible, and 90% just hope no one asks about this part of their life. And today I want to talk about this 90%, because I've been part of this 90% off and on throughout my life. It's been a struggle, but I'm convinced that many of us feel guilty about the lack of Bible reading. So let's start with an important question. If most of us feel like we're not reading the Bible enough, then what is the standard we're not meeting? What does God want from us as it relates to the Bible? What is the legal limit? Does God want us to read it weekly, daily? Does he want us just to read it or should we be studying it deeply? This is a huge question that we all need to be able to answer. And there are probably several important passages about this idea, but let's look at one together. Uh, we believe that Paul's words in Colossians 3.16 can help us. And he says, Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to the God with thankful hearts. The Greek word here translated dwell within is a compound word, enoigeho. It means to live in something, just like you live in your home or your apartment. This is a command. Let the word of Christ live in you. 
But it doesn't end there. He adds an important adverb for how it's supposed to live in us. Richly. Another way is to say it is abundantly. We might rent a place near the beach for a couple of days. And that's fun. That's exciting. But that's not the same as living in a house by the beach. Paul is saying the Word of God should live in us the way Tony Stark, a.k.a. Iron Man, lives in an Oceanside mansion. This requires us to be exposed to God's Word and to soak it up. So imagine the sponge, if I was holding a sponge, would be us, and a pitcher of water is Scripture. The first thing is just to publicly give ourselves access to the Word. And we can do this in a number of ways. Here on Sundays, in a group, taking a free Dallas Seminary class. And links are available on our website. And that's incredibly valuable because it gives us truth. And remember, for hundreds of years, the primary way of connecting with God was through church. For some of you who are new, this is a big deal. And I, d I want you to know you're doing a great thing. We can't overestimate how important it is to show up each week and continue growing in your faith. But that's not all. And if it's going to live in us richly, we've got to privately give it some time to soak in. We've got to give it a chance to get deep down into the cracks of our lives and soak it up. Imagine that water being poured from the pitcher. And if you've ever wet a sponge, you notice that that water is pouring into it and nothing's coming out. It's taking time to soak up that sponge. But the first part I want to focus on today is how do we personally interact with Scripture? How do we soak it up? First is getting the framework. Now, one of the most helpful resources I'm aware of is the Bible Project. It's a series of incredible videos, and they have a fantastic series on how to read the Bible. So taking the time to understand the big picture is very helpful for us. And the big picture provides us the why. Second, memorizing Scripture. This has a massive impact on anyone's spiritual growth. Scripture was regularly on Jesus' mind and heart, and we see that throughout the New Testament. You see him quoting uh, things, and the scrolls were nowhere near him. And when we talk about soaking up Scripture, that doesn't mean that you need to read four or five chapters a day. It could be simply memorizing or meditating on a specific verse or one passage, allowing it to get so deeply into your heart and mind that it just comes out naturally. Psalm 119 talks a lot about God's Word, and it mentions meditating on it multiple times. So what's the best way to soak up Scripture? The how depends on your style. So in our time together, I want to give you some ways we can interact with Scripture according to our style. And regardless of what your style is, let me tell you one of the most helpful tools for interacting with the Bible is the YouVersion Bible app. So you'll always have that with you. The Bible app is an incredibly helpful tool. Not only does it have multiple versions of the Bible, but it has Bible reading plans, Bible verse images, and lots of encouragement. So there's space for each of us to pray according to our style. And here's what I think this looks like. Traditionalist. 
do a study on a, the why behind some of the traditions you enjoy. Like communion. What does it symbolize? Then you could do your own communion and focus on those truths. Also, you might want to utilize a Christian calendar. Learn about it and how it can inform you of your faith. Do a specific study or memorize a passage during Lent or Advent. Naturalist. Take some time to actually go outside and read scripture. That's easiest when you have a portable version. So you might want a pocket-sized Bible that you can put in your backpack. You can put a memory card verse on your Nalgene bottle so that when you hike, every time you think you'll, or take a drink, you'll think about that verse. And apparently, all naturalists have Nalgene bottles. I guess that's the, the sign. Um, meditate on a passage about God's glory being demonstrated in creation as you take a walk in the woods. Now, Marcy and I are both naturalists. Um, and, and many years ago, between my junior and senior year in college, I went out and worked in a Christian camp about 6,000 feet up in the Sierra Nevada mountains. It was about a 300-acre camp overlooking a lake with just snow-capped mountains in the background, and it was gorgeous. And I remember uh, one day when I was off from my schedule, I packed a backpack full of food, water, pocket knife, um, which those my kids know me, my wife know me, I always have a pocket knife on me, uh, and a Bible and a hymnal. And I took off walking around this three-mile trail around the lake, and about halfway through on the backside of the lake, I branched off and went down an old dirt emergency access road for another couple miles into the heart of the mountains. At some point I stopped, and it wasn't quite vertical, but it was a very steep um, bank to my right. And I remember climbing up through brush and branches and kicking down pebbles, I don't know, 50, 70 feet, climbed up, got to a clearing, and had my literal and figurative mountaintop experience. I remember sitting there for about an hour and a half to two hours, just being in the Word, singing hymns, overlooking the amazing valley and the mountaintops of the Sierra Nevadas. That was magical for me. That was my style and just an amazing way for me to connect with God and His creation. Intellectual. You may want to take advantage of some of our resources on southridge.us backslash resources, which offers a link to free seminary classes. Now, our lead pastor, Jeff, offers theopraxis. Now, while that may sound like a heartburn medication, it's actually a theology class. And that's offered each fall and spring once a month for an hour. You might want to write down the passages that we reference on Sundays and dive into those deeper during the week in your own personal time. Contemplative. Taking in Scripture will be more intuitive for you. Read a different translation and do a personal paraphrase. Copy the Scripture and take time to focus more closely on the specific words. Ascetic. First is time. You probably want to get up early or stay up late, like Scott Hartley. I don't think there's anyone else that stays up later than Scott Hartley. And be in a quiet place where you can read some of God's Word and allow it to sink in, deep into who you are. You may even need to schedule a day, a quarter, away, just to soak it in. Find the place. For you, finding the place will be really important. If you're a multitasker like me, you want to get to a place without any Wi-Fi. And in fact, 
you might want to get away from your phone and actually carry a hard copy of the Bible rather than that phone. Activist. Learn what God has to say about this area of your passion. Make sure your passions line up with his. That's key. Are you passionate? Fantastic. Are those passions biblically based? That's important. Memorize some verses about God's heart for the poor or orphans or justice, like Micah 6.8 and James 1.27. Read the stories of Christians who have helped great causes throughout history. And maybe you need to listen to worship songs as you go on your way to changing the world. How about caregivers? Take time to see what the scripture says about serving. Why does this matter? How does it benefit us and the people we serve? Maybe you could pray some of these verses over the people that you're serving and then share these verses with those people you serve so they know that they matter to God and not just to you. Enthusiast. Our temptation is to allow our worship to just be an emotional experience, but one that may not be centered on what is true. God says true worshipers worship in spirit and truth. Train yourself to think about what you're singing. Read the lyrics of songs. You may even want to do a study on a worship song you enjoy. Trace that idea in scripture and allow it to inform and enrich your worship. Sensate. Sorry, not, not sensei. Setting is going to be important for you. You may want to read the Bible in a place that's appealing to your senses. You may even want to read out loud. That might make it come alive for you. The Bible app has a narrator. And if you've listened to it, it sounds a lot like Morgan Freeman. It's very authoritative. Just brings a lot of gravitas to uh, Scripture. And also, you might want to find a passage and be creative in trying to step into the setting of what it's saying. So if you read, our worship is a fragrant aroma to him, burn a candle as you meditate on this idea. Regardless of how you do it, the key to having God's truth live in us richly is being exposed to it publicly and soaking it up privately. You know why this matters so much? Imagine I've got this sponge full of water and I just squeezed it. And water got all over my new keyboard and iPad and this table and got all over the floor. Why did that happen? Some of you, you're battling anxiety or depression or lust or a health diagnosis. And you're feeling like the clamps of life are just pressing in on you. And the only strength or insight you have is to fight through the strength of your flesh. And we all know that's not enough. But what if God's living word were living in us uh, richly when life squeezed us? What if we started feeling anxious or fearful about our job security or a dating relationship and the first thing that came to our mind was God's word? Philippians 4, 6 through 7 has always stuck out to me. And very simply, it says, do not worry about anything. Instead, Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything 
we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. This is what happens when it's living in us richly. Will you try something this week? The question isn't, how much Bible can I get in me in terms of quantity? The question is, how richly is it living in me? That's a quality question. Will you make the priority choice to publicly give yourself access to God's truth and privately soak it up according to your style? Let's pray. Our Father, we are so thankful for your blessings. We have so much to be grateful for. And we can get so focused on the things that are wrong or the things that other people have that seem better than what we've got. But you've been so good to us. And we're so thankful that as you have created each one of us individually, that you've given us different ways that we can connect with you. There isn't one formula or one rule that we have to come before you. You let our creativity come out. You allow yourself to uh, show us how you love us through each of these styles. And we can come to you in a way that resonates with us and our personality um, and how you can uniquely connect with each of us. I just pray that we would continue to be able to be in your word every day and just equip ourselves to put on that armor to face the inevitable squeezing of life that's going to come. Help us to honor you in all the decisions we make and the words we speak and help us to stand up for what Jesus says and help us to be the truth in this world. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.